How is alcoholism like dementia? Can I use what I've learned in one with the other? Welcome to episode 161 of The Recovery Show. We are friends and family members of alcoholics and addicts who have found a path to serenity and happiness. We who live or have lived with the seemingly hopeless problem of addiction understand as perhaps few others can. So much depends on our own attitudes, and we believe that changed attitudes can aid recovery. Before we begin, we would like to state that though we at The Recovery Show may be in a 12-step program, we represent ourselves rather than the program. During this show, we will share our own experiences. The opinions expressed here are strictly those of the person who gave them. Take what you like and leave the rest. My name is Spencer, and I'm your host today. And I want to open with a reading from our one of our daily readers, Courage to Change. This is from July 5th. I think the word detachment is often misunderstood. For me, detachment is the freedom to own what is mine and to allow others to own what is theirs. This freedom allows me to keep my own identity and still love, care about, and identify with the feelings of others. In fact, I believe that the degree of our humanity can be measured by our ability to know another person's pain and joy. I have been practicing the principles of Al-Anon to the best of my abilities for a long time. But when someone in the fellowship shares about having a difficult time, I can go right back to day one. I no longer live with that type of emotional pain, but I can feel theirs. I can identify without needing to remove their pain. To me, that is an Al-Anon success story. Today, I don't have to like everything my alcoholic loved one says or does, and I don't have to change her even when I think she's wrong. I continue to learn how to care without taking everything personally. And the reminder says, I can detach and still love, still feel. I can learn to take care of my own business while allowing others to tend to theirs. Today, I can detach without losing compassion. The inspiration for um, this episode came from this week's church sermon, which was titled Dancing with Dementia. And as I sat down and I looked at the order of service and I saw that title, I thought, well, what, what perfect timing, because later this week I'm driving to visit my parents uh, who are aging. And I can't say that um, they're actually moving into dementia, but some of the some of the symptoms seem to be there, which reminds me of what is what is often said in our meetings that we don't have to have a actual diagnosis of alcoholism in our loved one to know that their behavior has affected us in a way that brings us to Al-Anon and that Al-Anon can help us. And in the same way, I don't need to have an actual diagnosis of dementia in either of my parents to understand that the behaviors that I see affect me and they affect me in ways very similar to the ways in which my loved one's alcoholism affected me. I believe that I can use the tools of the Al-Anon program to help me to be with my parents as they age, as they become someone other than who they are in my memory, um, as, as they lose abilities, as they lose energy, as they lose memory. The, the tools of the Al-Anon program can help me to live with that. And as the reading says, to, to have compassion even as I 
detach from my need, that, that very strong, deep-down embedded need to try to fix them. Because just as with alcohol, I am powerless over getting old. I mean, our, our minister opened with a little story from her own life of when she first noticed the symptoms of her own aging um, in the form of, of rheumatoid arthritis, which was not, of course, diagnosed at that point. She said, I picked up the pot of noodles from the stove to carry it to the sink to drain it. And, and as I was moving across the kitchen, all of a sudden, the dogs were having a great time and the noodles were all over the floor. And I thought, what happened? What has my body done? How has it betrayed me here? And I see that I see that in myself in things that I used to be able to do that and and now I can't. What happened? It's sort of scary. And I see it, you know, I see it in my parents that there are things that they used to be excited about that they used to want to do and now they don't. And that's sad. And I'm powerless over it. I'm powerless over the fact that, that we're all getting older one day at a time. We're all moving towards that final end. I need to have some courage here. I need to have some serenity. I need to find a center to move from as my brother and my sister and I are visiting at the same time and we uh, are planning to, to have probably what is the, the first in a series of what I'm calling the talk the talk about, hey, parents, um, you know, you're getting older and we're concerned about your ability to to continue to take care of yourself. We see that some of the things that, that you used to do, you're not doing. We see signs that maybe you're not able to to take care of the place that you live in as thoroughly as you used to. And, and this concerns us. We're concerned about how far away you are from a hospital and, and how hard it might be to get help when it's needed urgently in the middle of the winter. And I don't know exactly what we're going to say. I don't know exactly how we're going to say it, but we are moving towards that. And, and it's that in itself is a scary thing as, as we children turn and start being in a, in a parental role to our own parents. It's, it's a weird thing. And I can, I can use the tools that I have gained in the Al-Anon program to at least try to see reality rather than my fear, to see reality rather than my hopes, and to speak from reality and to speak from love. So again, as I, I picked up the order of service, and I saw the title. So we moved into the service, into the readings, into the songs, which were all, all chosen to reflect the, both the fact that, that life moves on, that we move through the seasons of our life, we move through the spring of childhood into the summer of adulthood and, and middle age, and and then into the fall uh, as as we get older and finally into the quiet winter of of old age that we've moved through those seasons and and 
our world moves through seasons, our life moves through seasons, and we can't we can't change that. We can't turn back time. We can't go from fall back to summer. We can't go from summer back to spring. And as somebody who is probably in the autumn of my life, um, I may be able to dance with the four-year-olds, but I can't keep up with them. I don't have that energy and that joy of life at that at the magnitude that they have it. But I'm still able to to see it, to enjoy it, and to participate a little bit. And and if I understand my limits, then I can enjoy it more than if I try to keep up and fall short and then kick myself or grieve over the loss rather than enjoying what I do have. And I, I reflected on how my feelings about my parents aging about their vagueness that I see sometimes when I talk to them about their their loss of enthusiasm for things that used to really energize them. And I reflect on how that makes me feel and how I react to it. And it is so parallel to the ways in which active alcoholism made me feel and that I reacted to. There's desire to, to change, fear of, of where things are going, fear of the progression, um, grief for the, the loss of who, who was. And some of the, the keys that I took from the readings and the sermon in, in our service on dementia, some of the keys that I took there first is that it is a disease. It's really a family of diseases. Um, we can we can call it a disease. Um, the best known form of dementia, of course, is Alzheimer's, and I think also um, that's one of the the most devastating. That really takes the person away, uh, sometimes severely. But that it, it's a disease of the brain that that starts to and continues to affect the functioning of the brain, the connections of the neurons in the brain, uh, and I think in in many cases. Uh, it starts to kill them off, and that affects memory. It affects the ability to accomplish everyday tasks, uh, and it and it changes the it changes the person. And the interesting thing, one of the interesting things about most forms of dementia is that the the places that it hits first are the the short term memory and sort of the daily functioning, and it leaves the the longer term stuff. And so we see this regression into the past this clarity about things that happened years and decades ago, and this total fuzziness about what's happening right now. I do see that in my mother, at least, that she often forgets, doesn't remember what was said two minutes ago, but is able to to reminisce about things that happened when I was a child or before I was born uh, with absolute clarity. So it's a disease, and just as alcoholism is a disease, I can't expect that my desire to have it be different, that my talking, that my hoping is going to make any difference. You know, science and medicine haven't found any sort of a cure for dementia, although um, there are, I guess, treatments that can delay its progress in some cases. Uh, and, And I recently heard 
a discussion, I think it was on the Science Friday podcast, about some new evidence that at least some forms of dementia are caused by a virus-like thing called a prion, which is sort of like a virus, but it's all protein, I guess. I'm not, I'm, I think my wife could probably straighten me out on that. She is a microbiologist, but in any case, it, that there is an infectious agent that in fact appears to cause Alzheimer's-like symptoms in uh, some, some animal, mice. Uh, I'm not sure exactly which animal they had, but that if this is actually the case also in humans, that then there might be a treatment that attacks this infectious agent um, to at least slow or halt the disease. And eventually, who knows, there might be a, a vaccine, which would be awesome. But in any case, it's the disease and I can't fix it. All I can do is live with the the consequences, with the symptoms, and with the person as they are. And so the first point in the sermon, I think, was how, how we live with somebody with this disease, and, and that is to meet them where they are. Uh, they may not be in the present. They may not be here and now. And I need to to let go of my need to have them be here and now. And if I want to be with them, I, want, I, I need to be with them where they are, when they are, uh, whether it's, it's real or imagined. And I remember, I might have been a couple of years ago, um, listening to another podcast, I think it was This American Life, where a couple talked about using the skills they had learned in improvisation to engage with a parent uh, with dementia who was convinced of things that were clearly to someone in in full possession of their faculties, and I put that in quotes, clearly in quotes, that were clearly not true, that clearly were not happening, but that this person was convinced was happening, and by using the improv technique of yes and rather than no but, yes comma and, instead of no comma but, uh, to bring the caregiver into the world of the patient, into the world of the ill person, and engage, and both of them able to be joyful, rather than trying to fight the disease, trying to bring the person back to the present moment, and both people ending up angry, frustrated, and tired. And I can only hope to have that level of of acceptance. The minister who was giving the sermon had her partner demonstrate the behavior of a patient with dementia. As, As she was giving the sermon, he sat in a chair next to her and modeled the behavior of her own father. And she modeled being accepting, being with him, being kind and loving in the repetition that is sometimes necessary. As as he asked, interrupted several times, saying, who are all these people? And she would say, these are the people listening to my sermon. And each time, same answer, no, no frustration, same loving tone. That's a tool I need. That is absolutely a tool that I need as as my mother cycles like that at times. 
as she perseverates on it, on something that has already happened, thinking that she needs to do it again and again and again. And I am not at that place of calm acceptance. I get frustrated. I get angry. And I know that that anger comes out of fear. That anger comes out of fear that I'm losing her. Just as I found compassion and love for my loved one when she was drinking, I need I need the help of the program, the help of my higher power to find compassion and love for my mother when she does that. And and now I think also my father is starting to get to that point as well. Living in the moment is really important for me in in dealing with the feelings that come to me to not to not try to bring back the person that was and to not awfulize about the person that might be but to to be in that moment with the person who is there now um, as the moment moves forward we had a, a wonderful poem read to us that I, I don't have in front of me that talked about hurling hurtling forward on the forming edge of the of now and i know that i have been there wanting to go forward wanting to get past this now wanting to go to some imagined some expected some anticipated future and missing the now when my mother struggles physically or mentally and i rush forward to that time when she's not able to do anything in my head i miss i miss the moment i'm not there for her i'm not there for me cultivating living in the now i think is a, is a really key skill to being with to getting the most of what's left and finding compassion that may be that may be the easiest thing to just have have compassion for somebody who's not not the person that she or he was just as I'm not the person that I was to be there in love and to let go again let go of my need for her to be the person she was and to be compassionate for the person that is and for the struggle that she has now and to to love her for that it's, it's it sounds so easy and it's not i'm not sure why i think it's that fear thing again the sermon also talked of having compassion for ourselves to recognize that we are grieving that we are grieving the loss of the person we knew and to see them slipping away slowly it's a special kind of grieving there when somebody is is has died and is gone has gone out of our life it's easy to see that fact it's easy to know that they're not there and and to to recognize the grief of that loss but when the loss is gradual and invisible in the moment um, the grief is is harder to find it's harder to to understand that it is there and that it continues and it it's a long-term grieving process and i need to have compassion for myself to understand that i'm grieving and to to give myself slack when i act out of that grief when i act out of that fear i need to forgive myself for that just as i forgive others so those are 
some of the ways in which I can use the tools of this program to be with me as I am with my parents, as I face the reality of my fears, which may be more or less than what is real. To meet them where they are, to understand that they are aging, they are changing, and that I can't, I can't change that. To live in the moment, to find compassion, and to, to recognize my own grief. After a short break, we'll continue with our lives in recovery, where we talk about how recovery works in our daily lives. And the, the musical selection that I chose for this episode is a song by the, uh, a person who's often titled a troubadour. His name is Rick Mastin, and the song titled Let It Be a Dance. I found this about the song. It's the song he wrote for Barbara Brussel, a friend of one of his daughters. Barbara was a high school dance student who was seriously injured in a car accident involving a drunk driver that killed her teacher and two of her classmates. Her knee was so badly damaged that it was doubtful she would ever walk again, let alone dance. He visited her in the hospital and bet her that within a year she would come dancing up the road to his home to a song that he would write. The song he wrote within a few days was Let It Be a Dance. A year later, she came, dancing, limping, but dancing up the road as he played his guitar and sang, Let it be a dance we do. May I have this dance with you? Through the good times and the bad times, too. Let it be a dance. This song speaks to me of the good things and the bad things that we find in our life that no matter what, we can continue to dance. In this section of the podcast, we talk about our lives and recovering what's happening in our meetings and our lives this week. Earlier this last week, I needed, really needed, to find acceptance of what is and let go of what I might have hoped for. We have known for a while, maybe a year, that we needed to replace the gutters on our aging house and finally got uh, somebody in to do the work and they got up there and said, well, we need to replace the fascia board here so they, they had quoted us a price for replacing the gutters, and then they got up there and they said, well, we need to replace the board, and that, that's going to cost this much more. Okay. And they got it off, and they said, oh, uh, some of your rafters to which this board would attach are rotting, and we really can't attach the board. And so we need to call in a carpenter and have him repair those before we can proceed with the gutter work. And that will probably cost maybe this much more. And we said, okay. And so then the carpenter came and looked at the job and quoted us a price that was significantly more than we had thought it might be. I'll just say it, it has four digits and it's not near the bottom end of the range. This is where the acceptance part comes in, that the rafters are damaged they do need to be repaired. Uh, if we don't do something about it, they'll continue to get worse and it will cost more in the future. Um, at the moment, the roof is in good shape, thank goodness. So we don't, we don't have to get that 
redone. Uh, but we do need to get this work done. We do need to have it done, and, and we need to accept that this is what it's going to cost us. As luck or maybe higher power would have it, we do have the money. It's it's not an easy amount for us to pay, but we, we do have savings that will cover it. Uh, it just is money we'd rather not spend, right? But we need to. And, and acceptance also that this problem didn't happen overnight, and that I remember some winters ago, uh, more than two, I think, looking out and seeing the mass of icicles hanging off of the end of the roof and off of the gutter and, and wondering if, you know, is this a problem? Does this indicate some problem we should do something about? And I think it did. I think, you know, it's very possible those icicles pulled the, pulled the gutter so that the water could run back in under the roof and start rotting out the rafters. So, it's not a problem that just happened. Uh, it's a problem that perhaps we could have addressed earlier and it might have been cheaper, uh, which is a little bit of a learning thing there, you know, another effing learning opportunity. So the carpenter will be coming out this week with several helpers and a bucket truck because the the roof is 30 feet up and Parts of it are almost impossible to get at with a ladder, and so there's that's part of the additional expense is, is renting this bucket truck. And it, it turns into, a, I guess, sort of a, a silver lining here, perhaps, in this, is that at least in the state that it is now, it's not something that I could have fixed myself. I just don't have the tools available to me, and to some extent the knowledge and ability as well. I do some carpentry, but not not to that extent. So acceptance and moving forward. And, and we will hopefully be able to look clearly at what spending this money means to uh, potentially future plans. But it is something we need to do. My meeting on Saturday, my step meeting, we were, we, we were talking about step 10. Step 10 says, continue to take personal inventory. And when we were wrong, promptly admitted it and... I reflected on the way in which we use this tool at work, although not calling it Step 10, uh, in our teams every every so often, in the team I'm in now, it's every week, we, we stop for uh, a moment for maybe 30 minutes and reflect back on the previous week, reflect on what went well, what we'd like to change, what didn't go so well, and how when we first started doing this a few years ago, uh, I just didn't see the point which is really funny since I'd been in Al-Anon for close to a decade at that point, but I didn't see the point of doing this at work. And now I understand that this is the way in which each team gets better at doing what they do, um, gets more effective and has less friction. So it's, it's a very valuable process. I just ironically couldn't see it for what it was. So it's good to reflect on that. Upcoming probably next weekend will be part three of the Stepping Stones to Serenity workshop that I've been playing because I'm going to be visiting my parents and and won't have time to record an episode. But uh, coming after that, I want to talk about another gift of Al-Anon, which is courage and fellowship will replace fear. We will be able to risk failure to develop new hidden talents. So we welcome your thoughts on this. You can join our conversation. Please leave a voicemail or send us an email with your feedback or questions. And you can do that. You can leave voicemail 
at 734-707-8795. You could call right now because this is a podcast and, and you can pause. You can also use the voicemail button on the website to join the conversation directly from your computer. If you prefer not to use your voice, you can send email to feedback at com. We'd love to hear from you. Share your experience, strength, and hope or your questions about today's topic, Dancing with Dementia, or upcoming topics. And if you have a topic you'd like us to talk about, let us know. All the information about The Recovery Show is on our website, therecoveryshow.com. It includes information about the show, including notes for each episode, an occasional blog links to the music we talk about. Uh, there's a page that talks about how to subscribe. If you want to listen on your phone, maybe you're listening on your computer right now, and but you have a smartphone. Uh, and there's some information there about how to subscribe so you can take the podcast with you, take it with you on your walks, take it with you in your car by subscription and have it automatically delivered every week. And if you'd like to be a guest host, really join this conversation, literally. Uh, consider being a guest host by phone or Skype or FaceTime or other electronic medium. Email feedback at com if you're interested. Got a little bit of, actually more than a little bit of email this week. Patty wrote in about episode 160. And again, reminder that if I mention an episode number, you can go always to therecoveryshow.com slash that number. So therecoveryshow.com slash 160 will get you to episode 160, which was about step one, about powerlessness. Patty writes, Hi, Spencer. I just listened to episode number 160 on powerlessness and power and really appreciated it. I had hit a bad point in my day and just felt terrible inside. I was making some lunch and listening to the podcast, trying to listen carefully because I knew it could help me get out of my mood of frustration and sadness. Although you guys were making lots of sense, I wasn't really connecting with what you were saying. I was feeling a bit like, right, right, but what about my problems? One piece touched me deeply and kind of out of the blue. It was when you responded to Tom's thoughts about finiteness by talking about sometimes when you really need to use program tools you just don't have the energy to. I totally experienced that and in fact was experiencing it as I listened. In that moment you said, your resources are finite, but that doesn't mean they can't be renewed. Such a good point. Then you talked about being at the big conference and being exhausted and going into the meditation room to try and recharge. When you related how your wife picked up a drawing or coloring book or something and started adding to it, I burst into tears. There was something about that image of you guys being so tired and this quiet room and her reaching for something childlike and creative, seemingly way outside the realm of hurry and stress and grown-up problems that just really reached me. Thank you for that. I just kept making my tuna salad and then sat down and had lunch and listened to the rest of the podcast. And I got away from that painful mood and back on track. The recovery show means a lot to me. Since I started listening to it, I also started attending meetings, started reading lots of Al-Anon literature, volunteered for a job at my home meeting, got a sponsor, and started working the steps. I'm honestly not sure that would have happened without your podcast. Thanks for all you do. Best, Patty in Colorado. I'm just so touched that that we were able to to be there with you um, and to say something that, that brought you forward. Thank you, Patty. Holly writes, Hi, Spencer. Thanks so much for doing this podcast. I really enjoy it and learn from it. I found over the past year that I needed to be a more effective advocate for my children in their situation with their father, who is my former spouse and qualifier. It hit me that I had an imbalance in the serenity prayer. I had been focused on accepting the things I cannot change. 
But then I realized I also very much needed the courage to change the things I can. I, too, often have accepted unacceptable behavior and have been conflict avoidant. She says, I fit right in in Al-Anon with a smiley face. I would love to hear an episode about gaining courage, not just to withstand, but to act, build, a pushback if needed. With gratitude for all you do, Holly. And uh, I think, Holly, that um, our upcoming topic, Courage and Fellowship Will Replace Fear, we will be able to risk failure to develop new hidden talents. I think, I hope that uh, perhaps that episode, when we do it in a few weeks, sometime soon, we'll... Uh, We'll meet your uh, your suggestion. And if not, let us know and we'll uh, see what we can do. Sharon left a comment on the episode Stepping Stones to Serenity Part 2, which was episode 159. This was such a helpful podcast for me. Are there any more episodes from that conference that you can post sometime? They gave me so much clarity on our program and how to focus on myself and the steps. Thank you so much for posting. And yes, Sharon, uh, in fact, probably in about a week, we'll be getting Part 3 which is covers steps, mm, let's see, 7, 8, 9. Yeah, 7, 8, and 9. And there is a part 4, which covers steps 10, 11, and 12 that will be coming along sometime in the not-too-distant future, I'm sure, the next time I have a weekend when I'm just not able to record the podcast. Definitely going forward with those, no question about it. Nanette writes about step 1. Dear Spencer and friends, thank you for your constant and caring service. It's so important in my recovery. Thank you to, for the two L&B talks on steps 1 through 6. Looking forward to hearing the next two talks on steps 6 through 12. Good luck on your family visit. I have come to an understanding about many of the things occurring in our lives and family members around us regarding the heartbreak of our son's active addiction and homelessness, as well as the very sad illness of a family member. Fear, sadness, helplessness are all manifesting themselves as anger, frustration, and depression in me and other family members. What causes all these feelings? Loss of power, loss of control, powerlessness, step one, with, what, five, six exclamation points, a bunch of them. The sooner we get that, the better we'll be, but it's like fighting the tide sometimes, with myself and my feelings as well as others, and when it involves hearing others struggle, fighting that fact, it's distracting me from my own recovery, at least for me, but I am persevering in my serenity, working with my sponsor, working the steps, and taking care of what I need to be accepting and at peace. Thank you so much, Nanette. Wow, that just that, that just hits the nail on, on today's episode and on how I'm feeling about the week ahead, so thank you for that. Gretchen is writing with a topic suggestion. She says, Hi, Spencer and friends. Thanks for the podcasts. They're all great, and I appreciated the open talks that were posted when you weren't able to put something together. There are, were definitely some gems in there. I'm not sure you'd be able to do this in a way that makes sense, but I'm wondering if you'd consider a podcast about triggers that aren't directly related to alcohol. What I mean is that I find myself shutting down in response to national events, mass shootings, shootings by and of police. Maybe it's not related to the podcast, but I feel like it's triggering my old responses of feel nothing, do something. I feel like I need to dig into my program so that I don't fall into old patterns and act out at home as a result of my feelings of helplessness and frustration. I'm wondering if this is coming up for others. Thank you, Gretchen. And uh, I I know exactly how you feel, Gretchen. I at times just shut off what's coming in from the outside world, and then it intrudes and 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 brings me those feelings of helplessness and frustration that so much bad is happening, and and I can't do anything about it. And it's so big, and I'm so small. 
Um, and I don't know if it's, if it's triggering, but so there's a, I think there's a couple ideas in there. One is, is how we react to things in our life or things in our world that are outside of our control that, that we feel helpless over and an idea about things that maybe trigger old feelings. I don't know. I don't have to think about that. And, you know, if you are listening and you have further thoughts on this, maybe to help us um, enlarge and focus uh, an idea around this, this topic, uh, please write or call and, um, and hopefully we can put something together that, uh, that makes sense. Didn't get any iTunes reviews this week, but iTunes reviews and ratings do help to make us easier to find by those in need who are seeking recovery. So if you, uh, if you would, please go to iTunes and, and leave us a review with a rating, be an honest rating. You know, obviously we're love, love those five stars, but, uh, don't do it just because I want it uh, and, and help other people find the show, continue to find the show. It doesn't cost you anything to listen to the recovery show, but we do have expenses, which run about $60 a month. You can help to support us and keep us on the web and in your ear. We have a donation button on the website where you can support us directly, just like, well, nobody this week, but lots of people in the past weeks have done. We put together a list of recovery-related books. Click on the books link at the top of the page, and if you order one of these books from Amazon through our website, we will receive a small commission. And there are also books that you can order through Al-Anon, and we don't get a commission on those, but we uh, definitely want you to know where to find them and, and to be able to get the literature if you want it. Uh, so don't feel that you have to buy things from Amazon because uh, you don't. Thank you for your support in whatever form you give it, whether it's sharing the podcast with your friends, just direct them to therecoveryshow.com or listening to us. We are here for you. Thank you for listening and please keep coming back. Whatever your problems, there are those among us who have had them too. If we did not talk about a problem you're facing today, feel free to contact us so we can talk about it in a future episode. May understanding, love, and peace grow in you one day at a time.